is the Go Blue Crew. Welcome into the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine. That's how we open the shows from now on. Because I said it, uh, didn't realize, thanks. I didn't realize that it would be such a hit. But I took a little sip of some Maker's Mark. And I was half joking and said, oh God, it burns. Derek had the bright idea. Well, that's how we should open the show. And I took it to heart. I thought it worked. I'm really happy with the way it turned out. But how are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing well. I was caught off guard. Uh, again, I was pulling up. This is your idea. I know. And, you know, I'm never prepared to the point where I'm pulling up, you know, numerous articles, but I, I had to pull up something and, you know, I, I had moved away from seeing your beautiful face. And next thing you know, I'm like, wow, it really seems like the countdown's longer than five seconds today. And I was just about to click back over and you, you hit us with the, the planned intro, to be honest. I just... I wasn't prepared, but I am drinking a two-hearted IPA, so uh, I am here. Uh, I am well. Let's talk uh, NBA draft. Let's talk NBA draft, why don't we? Jet Howard uh, taking 11th overall to the, where else, Orlando Magic. The Michigan the Magic pipeline continues. Kobe Bufkin taking four picks later, number 15 overall uh, to the Atlanta Hawks. There was some talk pre-draft about maybe Jet Howard's status um, falling in the draft and Kobe Bufkin rises. I I thought there was a chance, not that I'm an NBA draft guru by any means, but I thought there was a chance we would see Kobe Bufkin taken off the board before Jet Howard. Instead, it ends up working out, I, I think, basically the, the way we kind of anticipated originally, which is where uh, Jet Howard was uh, you know, up there higher, but Kobe Bufkin still rose quite a bit you think back to toward the end of the season, you know, we're talking about is, is, uh, is it the right decision for him to, to go pro and all those things. And clearly it was, and that became more evident uh, down the stretch of the season. It was like, this guy's an NBA player, but uh, what are your thoughts here? You know, with, with the fits where they were taken overall, what's going on? Awkward pause because I was muted. Like a Zoom call at work. Um, here are my thoughts. First, let's talk about Kobe Bufkin. Uh, I do think it, you know, it's a little sad that he didn't go in the lottery. Um, you have a couple of guys before him. Jordan Hawkins, uh, uh, a guard. You know, I don't. That still doesn't put him in the lottery though. Uh, Grady Dick. Uh, you know, Dick number one for the Raptors now. Uh, was drafted ahead, obviously not a guard. Derek Lively drafted ahead um, from Duke, not a guard. And so you you didn't get a feeling that, you know, the, the Thunder and Raptors were, were going to go Kobe Bufkin. And, and then even if one of those teams picked guard, probably Jordan Hawkins from Connecticut would have gone. But it would have been really cool to see them both go in the lottery. Like you said, there were, there were conversations about Kobe Bufkin rising, Jet Howard falling. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, Jet Howard obviously has the name. Uh, he has the raw, untapped potential. Uh, Kobe Bufkin had one heck of a year. Uh, it's really odd to think about the lack of play, playing time he got even in year one and then just 
you know, slowly got better and better and better and was consistent for Michigan night in and night out and a rough season. And then really just at the end, you like wanted him to start playing bad, uh, especially in the NIT, like don't play him at all. And then he wasn't playing. So then he knew that he was probably leaning towards the draft, but I mean, two guys in the top 15, um, and this is kind of where I'll move to, to the next thought, not to leave out Jet Howard. I, I think again, you know, magic loves Michigan player. I think he'll have a, a decent career himself, but I just couldn't help but think you have two guys that were drafted top 15 in the NBA draft and the number one overall transfer in the transfer portal uh, came from Michigan. Those three guys started for Michigan. How in the world was that not a tournament team? How in the world was that not even at the very end of the season a bubble team? Right. Like Michigan yeah, yeah. loses Keep, yeah. to Rutgers, and it's you don't even have hope at that point. Right. It's Good like point. that's an NIT team. Yeah, I was having the same thought, and I actually hadn't even factored in Hunter Dickinson. I was just looking at draft results. I'm thinking how – same thing as you. How does a team that produces two top tip, uh, 15 picks not even end up on the verge of the NCAA tournament instead a solidified NIT team uh, that, that gets bounced, what, in the second round? Well, that's, I mean, that's it right there alone. Like, that same for me. That was my first thought. Two guys, top 15, um, one lottery, you know, one close to lottery. And then it's like, wow. And then then you think about Hunter Dickinson. Because the Hunter Dickinson thing has happened, you know, it's dragged on for months, it felt like. But now it's happened a couple of months ago, or, or you know, I lose track of time. It's June, almost July. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since he's, you know, announced the transfer, and uh, you know, even been a while since he's picked uh, where he was going, and that being Kansas. But you look at the other, you know, guys outside of maybe UCF and Taylor Hendricks. You know, Houston's in there, Arkansas's in there, Alabama's in there, Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, Connecticut, Baylor, Indiana. I mean, a lot of tournament teams. And so to have two guys, and, and, and keep in mind the first team to have two guys go outside of overtime elite. I don't know if we count overtime elite when we talk college basketball. Uh, I don't. And twins. But, you know, you have two guys go top 15. And, I yeah, I apologize. I said it wrong. Not Just not, not a tournament team, like straight up an NIT team, like not even a bubble team, a team that should have had things figured out way early in the season, a team that played up to their opponents and down to their opponents, you know, could have beaten top teams that made tournament runs, uh, lost to teams that, you know, probably had no shot at making the tournament like Central Michigan. Um, but cool for the draft, cool for Michigan's awesome decade of, you know, plus of, of players getting drafted high, getting drafted often. But, I mean, just a uh, – kicking the nuts if you're a michigan fan <laughs> i've never heard you say that but yeah i mean seriously like that that that's what it you're not like wrong when i thought about it and i was like and then hunter dickinson and yep. this team was this michigan team last year was i mean trash they were they should not have been that bad and so i i just wonder how many non-michigan fans even non-big 10 guys like see that like you didn't see michigan if you're an SEC fan or you're a fan of a team on the West Coast, you don't see Michigan in the tournament. Maybe you're used to it. You probably poke fun at Jawan Howard ever since he slapped a dude. But then you see two Michigan guys in the top 15, like do average college basketball fans or even NBA fans look back and say, wait, why did that Michigan team suck? 
are guys like, you know, the Magic. Well, the Magic is used to drafting Michigan players, so fans are, you know, they, they knew that Jet Howard was probably coming. Um, but are the Hawks disappointed? Like, do they think Kobe Bufkin sucks because they are box scorers, you know, and they also look at the, you know, wins and losses. Like, hey, you know, he had a decent season, but Michigan was horrible. He played on a bad team. Like, I want to know what people think of Michigan hoops rather than what they think of these two players because – yeah, you don't often have two top 15 picks in the number one transfer uh, and then hear that that team did horribly. No, I'm going to take you back through some draft history here. You mentioned the decade of success. It takes us back to 2013. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. And, uh, and, and Trey Burke both taken in the first round. Since then, Michigan has produced 11 first round picks. Uh, and, and not all of them turned out obviously uh, but I'll tell you one that really did one that I was going back through here trying to find the recent like really high picks Franz Wagner at uh, 8 overall in, in 2021 um, Nick Stauskas at, also taken at 8 that was interesting to look back on Mitch McGarry taken 21st overall in 2014 Glenn Robinson was a second round pick in 2014. Uh, and then uh, the season before that, obviously you get to Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr. But you even think of like Duncan Robinson not drafted. Right. I mean, that that's the kind of stuff that, I mean, this has been a good successful program for 10 years. And it's, it's just a little, I don't even know the word befuddling i mean isn't it two years uh, in a frustrating row i mean that's two years in a row with two first round picks lot not as high last year or was musa diabate a second round pick technically uh caleb houston and musa diabate went second round they both went second round okay yeah yeah that's right but okay, freshman... so that kind of that made sense you know you're after a year you but still two picks and you know i know it's all about talent it's all about potential you know, what the NBA is looking for are, you know, individual fits. They're not necessarily looking for how the, the team produced. You know, you see guys that are drafted off of terrible teams all the time. Um, like Anthony Edwards see... was on a bad Georgia team. Like that Georgia team yeah. <laughs> under Tom Crean didn't do anything. But Anthony oh, Edwards is, you know, going to be a star in the NBA for a while. So, the, obviously, they, they don't need to come from a great team. But whenever you even have two second-round picks or – uh, a first and a second, or just picks in general, like to to look back and think of how bad they were is just, like you said, it's, it's startling to me. Like it, it makes me wonder, you probably don't have two first round picks next year, right? Like, can you, who would be the, who would be the first, the two first round picks or even the two picks next year? Because if you can't win after, you know, you lose the top transfer in the nation and you lose 215, how are you going to win in anything <laughs> Okay, here's my argument, though, on the opposite end of that is if we had asked that question at this time last year, like who would you have been looking at to get drafted? I think probably, probably, probably Jet, Jet Howard. Hunter. And Hunter Dickinson, yeah. I would, Where I does would Kobe Biff- Buffkin come from? learn how to – nailed even more threes, somehow became more athletic, or at least learned how to defend one through five. 
And I would have thought That's... probably a first round ceiling pick with Jet Howard and a second round Hunter Dickinson pick. Yeah. I don't think I would my... have guessed Kobe Bufkin. My my point, yeah, that was my point on Kobe Bufkin is um I you know, we could have sat here and made the argument a year ago that Kobe Bufkin's gonna get drafted and and you know, based off of one good season. But if you say he goes fifteen last year at this time, I'd be shocked. If no, you said he gets like, drafted, that's not real. I wouldn't be surprised though I think last year at this time I would have been thinking of him more along like a Muhammad Ali Abdur Rockman path. You know, a guy who is going to continue to get better, be around for two, three, four years. Um, but for him to not only, you know, go after a sophomore season, but, you know, go as high as he did. I mean, all the credit to him and, and the, what he's found in his game. You know, he's got a lot of potential. I hope he has a great career. But, yeah, I mean, again, this time last year, I think with the guys on the roster, I, I think we would have thought, Maybe not NCAA tournament lock. We would have been wor- wary about the year before with a win-loss, win-loss. But I think we would have said, hey, with Hunter and hopefully a better Kobe Bufkin and you know Jet Howard who's oozing with potential, um, I think you would have thought they'd be a tournament team. But you know, I guess we, we probably have the preseason tape to, you know, what did we predict? Oh, God. Pro- I don't even – if we made – You've had some wild preseason picks. Let's 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 take a whole different route here for a second. Let's go Please. back to 2021 preseason college football. Wait, why? This man <laughs> was like what seven and five? I'm pretty sure, yeah, seven and five. Seven and five. And there's there's times that I think about like, oh, they beat Ohio State. I forget they they lost to Michigan State. Like they didn't yeah. even go undefeated that year. Nope. They lost to won. Michigan State. Blew a three-score lead. Okay, we didn't need to go that. that. I mean, we were just calling out you. I'm thinking out loud. I want to give you one last draft history nugget here, which is really impressive. You have to go back to 2018 to find the last time Michigan didn't produce two draft picks. From 2019 to the recent draft – in 2023, Michigan has produced two draft picks in, in each draft. And this is the first one, by the way, where they both went in the first round. It was a lot of, like, Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, first round, second round. Jordan Poole, Iggy Brasdakis, first round, second round. Speaking of a guy who hasn't quite panned out. But anyway, I thought that was really impressive. you got to go back that far find the last time Michigan only had one player drafted. What about not drafted? You have that little Not up? drafted? Let's see. We're back in 20, 2015 was the last time a player was not drafted. Yeah, so I knew there was definitely a year after Timmy Hardaway and, uh, and Trey Burke, but I, was thinking, I can't remember if it was 15 or 16. It just speaks, I mean, again, to the strength of this program in the last decade and – I know it. You know, we're taking a little bit of a leap here, I guess, but because we're just talking about draft stuff. But it's safe to say that this is a program like teetering on the edge. Like, are they going to come back and be solid still, or are things going to kind of unravel? I think uh, you know, seeing two players go in the top fifteen lets you know that that there is talent there, and I don't think that's really up for debate. Like, there's and good talent, recruit, right? And an ability to recruit 
and uh, I think good enough coaching at least it that seems to be kind of inconsistent. I I wasn't uh, terribly impressed with with uh, how last year went from from a coaching standpoint. And I think I've said before I'm really hesitant to like comment on or especially condemn coaching because at the end of the day the players got to go out and play. But because of some of the themes that came up from beginning to end, I think that that falls squarely on coaching. But the point is like Michigan's got some good players, good talent, uh, a good coaching staff. And, you know, where does it go from here? Because it's very realistic. It seems after the results of last season, that this is a team that could kind of fall into irrelevancy into that bottom third of the Big Ten even if things don't get back on track. And that's just crazy to think about when you come and look at the draft board, the the draft board. I don't even that's not a word. The draft board. And and you see lots of Michigan players in here, including two who just went in the first round. Oh, and again, go look at the transfer portal too. And look at the transfer portal. Yeah. I, I think I think you're right. I think it goes t- one one of two ways. I think you um, I mean, it could go a third way. The third way would be you have another season like last season. Uh, you barely make the third way. It. Isn't that a uh, political? Uh, was that a political party or, or a political action committee? The third way. The third way. Um, that's a real tangent. <laughs> I think the third way. Yeah, I think it was some. Um, I, I I don't know. I can't remember. It was a political thing. They could repeat. They could just miss the tournament. They could just make the tournament. We've seen that two years in a row. Um, but I think it's more likely that they get worse or they find a way to kind of surge and get better. My, The hard thing about college basketball is you could have a good season, be a tournament lock, and get upset in the first round. I mean, look at Purdue. So it's it's really hard to look at both regular season it's hard to look at a basketball season because you have to factor in the regular season, which has a weird non-conference where you're playing a bunch of, you know, random teams, sometimes good, sometimes in the Bahamas, like next year. Then you have the Big Ten tournament where, you know, in, in years, uh, Michigan's been dominant in the Big Ten tournament, you know, winning it back-to-back years. And then the NCAA tournament, when Michigan's had maybe a down year compared to others or they haven't won the Big Ten tournament, you know, they were the last Big Ten team standing. Uh, you know, they've made the final four runs, the the championship runs. And so I'm not saying it's got to go either bust or, you know, make it to a final four, but I do think you've got to see better results this next year, which seems crazy with, with, uh, with the roster. Um, and so, you know, what I'm thinking about, and I guess a question I have is like, who, and I don't even need a specific name necessarily, unless you're confident with one, but who would it be for Michigan to keep the two-player streak around? Because, like, is it possible for them to get two guys drafted next year? Because it, it feels like that streak is in jeopardy. It feels like making the tournament is in jeopardy. Um, you have brought in new pieces who are going to take a while to fit if we've learned anything about grad transfers in the past under Joan Howard. Um, but what's hard to question is his ability to seek and find talent. It's always a matter of does that talent execute? And I, I think that there are some coaching things that were obvious last year, but 
for me, it just felt like they were either in the game and lost it close, or there were games where you could just tell they were out of it and not going to win. So does the streak stay alive? Here's one. Does, is it more I, I likely that... I'm trying to look, and I don't think so. Or more likely that they make the NCAA tournament? Oh, I think it's much more likely they make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, they've got a couple of grad I, transfers. So, I mean, it's definitely possible that guys' names could get called... You know, like I, Shondi Brown. Like, Shondi Brown was always going to be a fringe-type guy. Charles Matthews, same thing, you know, with injury. Like, you know, is a name going to get called? Is it not? Like, grad transfer guys who, you know, have definitely found some time and some success after college. But, you know, you never know what can happen. But it, it would seem like they'd have a draft pick. But that's not guaranteed. No. I. But I... I'm pretty confident in saying, like, if one of those two things does end up happening, I think it's it's the tournament. Because uh, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the roster projected depth charts here, and like, because you asked it, and I was kind of interested. Like, hmm, I wonder if I could pick out two guys. I kind of can't, but I don't think that's like damning for a team. You know, I think you can still do good things as a team without the obvious immediate NBA talent. And as we know, as we talked about with Kobe Bufkin, like that can definitely develop throughout a season and actually doesn't even take very long for somebody to become, to go from uh, not talked about to fringe to, is he a lottery pick? You know, so I mean, things change Lou so Willen quickly. Has a good year at a like combo guard position. Is that a guy that can be right. drafted at height? <laughs> Because, you can see it happening. Because you you didn't see him develop because he got injured too early. But, again, not saying that – like Kobe Bufkin had always had even the, the high school potential to, to be an NBA guy. But you just didn't see it happening this time last year. And so I want to look at like an Amari Burnett coming from Alabama or, a, you know, a T-Will like having more of a season two years ago than – I mean, like, if, if Terrence Williams can get a shot back, like, I mean, he's he's like an Isaiah Livers. You know, he has the potential to be a late second-round pick. Um, you know, uh, Terrace Reed, you know, if Terrace Reed really I was just thinking me, about that. Like, yeah. It's not a very friendly, you know, league, you know, in terms of the NBA with big guys, but he has shown an athletic ability that, you know, not every big guy has, and so mm. – uh, Musa Diabate, who looked very raw, got drafted because of his oozing potential. Terrace Reed shows more this year. I think it's possible. So, I mean, a guy like Doug McDaniel, you got to hope that he takes like a Derek Walton, you know, uh, a Xavier Simpson route where he's going to continue to improve, be one of the better point guards in the nation, but, you know, probably just isn't draft ready because of his size. But yeah, the rest of the roster really, truly up in the air. And uh, again, you've lost three really key pieces uh, and then a, a, a grad transfer in Joey Baker, who, uh, you know, Joey B uh, who had very, the real down, Joey B had real up and down games, but you've got to consider that also a loss. So, yeah, I mean, we'll talk <laughs> we a lot about basketball, you know, as basketball gets closer, we have a whole football season in the way uh, before we really get into the details, but it's, I mean, it's crazy to, to look at the how little the roster is, think about it from an NBA draft perspective next year, or just simply like we've discussed, you know, wonder if they're a tournament team um, this early. Yeah, at some point, like 
a lot of new additions uh, that we'll have to get into, which we will, but that's not a discussion for today. I'll tell you what is a discussion for today, Derek, and it's become a bit of a tradition here on the Go Blue Crew, especially on good days, okay? Mm. So the Detroit Tigers mm. today, on Thursday, June 29th, a couple of torque bombs, uh, a couple of torque bombs including a three-run missile that just barely cleared short porch and left field and off the post too i mean one of one of the, one of that, the best i didn't plays see that one that is a really satisfying one I, and i didn't see it i was at work and i pulled up the last couple innings on my phone but eight five tigers over the rangers and here's detroit Derek sitting at 35 and 45 still technically viable in the al central uh coming up on the all-star break there's trade deadline talk man what do you want to see the tigers do well here's the thing there's a couple of divisions where they'd be last place um there yeah most of them probably Um, not the worst team in baseball not the best team in baseball might be the weirdest team in baseball um i really feel like i think we were talking like you know i i had kind of heard you know the human perspective from a couple of guys including Torek and you know there's a lot of high expectations for him he even talked about managing them to see a guy like that hit two home runs huge uh, but my expectations are stay within a few games you know they're four back right now you, you stay within a few uh you split with a, a Texas Rangers team and not a bad baseball team now they will go no. split or lose a complete series to a really bad baseball team I'm sure <laughs> Uh, maybe they'll sweep a really good baseball team, but hang in there, you know, get to the tra- trade deadline, get to that all-star game. You might have something to play for. I mean, it's, it's weird to to think about, but they're not that far off from like actually playing meaningful baseball, you know, night in and night out. Um, again, you, you take any year that you can, uh, you know, compete, uh, and you just have to ignore the fact that, you know, the teams in your division are some of the worst of the worst. Um, so I don't like to look at that part. Um, one day I think I'm magically just going to look and I'm going to, you know, pretend that um, they wouldn't be 20 games behind in another division. Um, but doesn't matter. They play in the AL Central. That's where they play. That's who they're going to play the most often. And those are the teams you have to win- beat for sure. Uh, you beat those teams, you give yourself a, a chance. Who knows? Maybe some magic can happen. They got some favorable matchups coming up. A series against the Athletics, they're in last place in the AL West. Love it. And then a series a against the lose. Colorado Rockies. <laughs> last place in the NL West. Another good so. one to lose. <laughs> what, what good opportunities to continue to go up and down, right? Like, let's blow out, let's blow out the Rockies. Um, but then, you know, just get blasted, you know, the, you don't know that I'm just saying it could be like a nice split, split every series on the, on the way out. Uh, when, you know, out of the three, win most of them split the fours and you know what, you're probably still a couple of games back. So yeah, we'll take it. So within shooting distance, as they say, I would take that. All right. It'd be so fun to watch. I have to, to, to finish on basketball and I'm, I'm really oh, questioning okay. We can go this. back. Sure. I'm really questioning this. What? Okay, so this is projected. This is interesting. I'm well, looking sure. at uh, barttorvik.com. 
They've got current projections projecting Michigan number 54. So I think the 54th team in college basketball. And they have some projected, um, looks like 10 of them, 10 projected contributors and stats. I want you to guess, based off these projections, who they have is scoring the most points per game next year. Um, I am going to guess that it is... Um, I'm going to say Namari Burnett. They have him averaging 8.1. The answer is actually Jalen Llewellyn. Followed by Doug McDaniel. So that's why I really started questioning. Okay. Terrace reads 6.4 points a game. Something's off about this. Jace Howard, 0.4, you know. Will Cheddar, 1.6. A couple of the other freshmen, you know, 3.1. So, I mean, it's not unheard of. Terrence Williams, 10. That seems, you know, likely. You have Doug McDaniel, Jalen Llewellyn. Uh, how do you say this uh, Tennessee guy's name? Oliver Nakmuhal. We're going to have to figure that one, out. that one out. Terrence Williams and Nermani Burnett um, taking up most of the minutes. I bet that N is silent. It probably is. It probably is. <laughs> I mean, I, that can't be the full team either, right? Like, there's got to be there's got to be more changes. I've lost the track. Whole, the whole Bob Huggins thing happened, so I think West Virginia guys are trying to get out of there. Uh, the whole Bob Huggins thing. I like how you you sum up a drunken driving arrest. It's the whole Bob Huggins. I say that because if anyone's still listening to a Michigan college basketball podcast, which this basically is. You're well aware of the Bob Huggins. This is, (laughs) if that comment was the first time that you realized something has happened to Bob Huggins. That's uh, true. Thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. But maybe check some other like live. Go ahead and read the news. Yeah, read read the news. I'll gift you. You know, uh, New York Times. You can gift an article. I think so. Could it be their only source of? Sports news. They're, they just they know about Michigan basketball, Michigan football. They Tigers. get the occasional tidbit about the Tigers. Um, I mean, if you're just kind of a casual fan, I don't you want know. to know the bare minimum. I mean, we give you way more than the bare minimum, of course. But you can really be well, you know, like you know, we'll, we'll take care football, of you. You know, your Michigan basketball, and you know, like when the Tigers are, you know, four games back. You do. You're always up to date on the. Tigers. You also usually know like what drinks are are popular. Um, like a two hearted. Like a two hearted. Uh, you know that you know uh, a maker's mark can burn at the beginning of the show. Hell yeah, it can. This is cast strength. Too, you know though, that so. the show over the years has been not explicit except for like maybe one random episode. <laughs> you've learned. I mean, you've learned a lot. We'd love to teach you more. Bold prediction. Three Michigan players get drafted in the 2024 draft. Thank you, Derek. I'm glad we stuck around 31 minutes to finally reach the conclusion that we were heading toward this whole time, which is that three Michigan basketball players, to be named, uh, will get drafted in next year's NBA draft. 
Matter of fact, Derek, I'm coming back to you next uh, episode, and I want names, okay? So be ready. I think we'll talk about Michigan football next episode, but maybe uh, maybe a few uh, few months from now. You don't need a few months to figure. The roster <laughs> might not be rounded out, man. You never know. Who's gonna... I don't care. Okay. I don't care. I'm asking you next episode. I'll give you my top episode. three out of the current roster. Come back next episode to hear uh, Derek finish his thought on who gets drafted uh, out of Michigan basketball's team into the NBA next uh, offseason, which is a ways away, but Derek made the prediction, so of course we're going to follow up with him. Until then, though, take care out there. Go Blue. Go Blue.